welcome back to Red, White, and Vroom Podcasting, Formula One, IndyCar, and Zeppelin Rallycross. Official disclaimer, for the purposes of this podcast, I officially know nothing about anything, while my co-host knows something about several things, none of them officially. For joining me on the other line... She told her daughter she could join the playgroup, but her dad still may say no. It is Elena. What? Yeah, I, I was wondering if that one was going to work. I don't get it. Uh, it. So, Elena, um, it appears that Andretti will be admitted to oh, Formula yeah! One okay, by the FIA, but <laughs> Formula One themselves may still try and say no. Breaking uh. news. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, it's not. I'm not operating on all cylinders here. Uh. <laughs> so, this came out, I believe, today. We are uh, recording on uh, what I believe is a Tuesday, July 18th. Um, and this morning it came out that uh, Andretti and Hitech have been told or are strongly on the cusp of receiving the last two bids provided for in uh, the FIA regulations of their regulated sport, Formula One. Uh, I, I heard that there is some uh, potential that a high tech, the high-tech bid could uh, falter if it turns out that these shadowy Kazakh uh, financiers turn out to be Mazepin. <laughs> <laughs> of which there's apparently a non-zero possibility. But Andretti Global Andretti Cadillac is in an indomitable position. I mean, they're definitely not Mazepin, so they've got that going for them. <laughs> right. Yes. They are not currently at war and under sanctions from the entire rest of the economic world. Um, I, I have to imagine if it weren't for those sanctions, the bid would fly through. Of course, because why not? Right. Um, now, the wrinkle, and I, I haven't quite gotten the details nailed down here to my understanding. But it seems like Formula One is still uh, reluctant to expand the grid. And that there is some form in which uh, F1 or Liberty Media may have to be party to this admission. Okay, so I don't actually know how this works because... I have not. Fortunately, into you're it. on the right podcast. <laughs> Thank you. But my recollection is that the FIA has to approve it, and then FOM, which is the Formula One management group, I think, they also have to approve it. And so that's the F1 body you're talking about. Right. Except I could have sworn that I read specifically the regulations do not uh, give that veto. Um, to FOM. It may be that I'm just recalling about the team specifically, mm -hmm. um, but yes, 
another thing I read indicated that um, you know they can be admitted to the grid, but they would have to be party to the Concord Agreement, which is Liberty Media, without which they would not be eligible for um, prize money. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> And that does seem, you know, an important part of the business model, even given how much limitless pockets Michael Andretti seems to have arranged. Yeah, so, I mean, we at Red, White, and Vroom are pro-Andretti and F1, in case you had not picked up on that. And if you are looking for detailed information about, you know, process or facts, you have not come to the right place. <laughs> we are a vibes-driven podcast, and we'll say things that may or may not be true because they feel right. Yes. Um, interesting also that both Andretti and Hitech would apparently be Alpine customer teams. For now. For now. For now. Um, now, we also have... So, we are going to stay tuned... And should you, and should you find, you know, vaguely more factual information, feel free to pass it on, redwhiteandvroom at gmail.com. Um, now, we have had two great races and other things happen, so let's stay in F1 um, for the moment and reflect back on the British Grand Prix, where William celebrated its 800th Grand Prix by having one of its best weekends, whole weekends, in possibly decades? Not decades. Maybe a decade. It's been more than a decade since their last win at the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, but they didn't win this. So I I would have to do some research to... To agree to <laughs> it being the best weekend in a decade, but like okay, it's Elena's there. now very particular about the specifics <laughs> and the facts. It's up there. So uh, Alex Albon uh, was in Q three and scored uh, in the back half of the points, and Logan Sargent. You know, Alex has done that a couple times this year, but Logan Sargent himself was. Only a few spots back in, I want to say, P11 or so. And so they they looked fast in practices and like they had some pace in their car. Elena, is Williams back? No. What do you mean? We are not returned to the days of Nigel Mansell in the Cannon and Camel emblazoned Williams? I'm going to go with no. How about almost? (laughs) (laughs) Can I get a martini, Williams? Okay, okay. That sounds sounds reasonable. I mean, Williams was fun to watch. It was a good weekend for them. But back? Mm, Maybe not. Okay, that, that, that may be a jumping the gun just a little bit. Um, however, I have all of my Williams paraphernalia available uh, for declaring them back at every available opportunity. <laughs> now, speaking of historic uh, British organiz- racing organizations in F1 who had a good weekend, it seems like McLaren also got its uh, upgrades in order 
as uh, that worked out very well for um, a team that in the offseason realized that their engineering direction was wrong, fired their technical director, <laughs> and said, "We're well, we found a path forward, but it's going to take us half the year to get there. And they got there. We're here. They We're got here. There. I'm thrilled. What what was your mental state as Lando jumped Max off the line? I was losing it a little bit. I I mean, I was like, I know this is not going to last. I know it's not going to last, but I'm just going to enjoy it while it's happening. Yeah, soak it in. And, you know, my husband's a bit of a hater. And he he was telling me, he was like, yeah, okay, it's not going to last. And I was like, I don't care. Let me love, let me enjoy this. Let me have this. Exactly. Exactly. See, that that's that's the problem. You like fun and joy, like the FIA apparently, while your <laughs> husband hates them, Ugh, like Greg. Liberty Media. Greg truly is Liberty Media. <laughs> uh, and I mean, the whole race was very good because let's just be real, Silverstone is a really good racetrack. I mean, it's probably, I would I would say it's one of my top five favorite racing venues to watch races at, and I'm not limiting that to F1. Yeah. I mean, it is remarkable. The racing is great. It's historic as well as looking good. Well, and um, it's, I think that they, uh, they were talking about this on Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, you know, our fellow podcasters uh fierce competitors yes they they were talking about how silverstone is one of those tracks that everyone sort of tries to emulate when they design a track because it is so iconic and it is so good and it is actually alexander rossi's like one of his top tracks to drive at uh i you know if i were a driving person which i am not i do not like to drive uh i'd be really eager to go to a track day there yes um now for all the aspiration that some circuits may uh, take from Silverstone, at least we know that F1, having this crown jewel uh, in its circuit, being the foundation, the founding, the first Formula One race, has learned that lesson and is seeking to replicate uh, Silverstone-like racing in street circuits added to the calendar all around the globe? I I am not a fan. I am anti-street circuit. I mean, they're fun. Like, it's it's very cool. And, like, I was sort of seeing this in IndyCar races. It's very cool seeing a city that you've spent time in, streets you've walked down, and seeing them racing on those streets. Watching Toronto mm-hmm. was, was very cool for me this weekend. But it's not as good at racing. Right. Yeah. And like it's fine, but I don't think it should be more than half the calendar, if even half the calendar. Right. Exactly. A little bit of a mix. I I still love even Monaco for just seeing those cars going around those walls. It's just crazy. Um, but how about some more Silverstones? Yes. Uh, now, speaking of people who drove Silverstone, Daniel Ricardo has returned to the Formula One grid. Boo! <laughs> um, at Alpha Tauri, where he started his career. 
when it was well, Toro Rosso, given yeah. that it is the junior Red Bull team. Um, I, and so, you know, the uh, Formula, I mean, the Red Bull uh, driver development program decided that Nick DeVries, being, you know, 26, 27 years old, uh, you know, very experienced, had uh, sort of exhausted his potential and thus decided to recruit in a driver seven years his senior. I I like to think of myself as the preeminent Danny Ricardo hater. I, <laughs> you know, I am not a fan. I'm the opposite of a fan. It's not like I think he's a bad person. I just have very little interest in anything to do with him, including watching him in an F1 scene. Dude's washed. I know I say that a lot, but he really is. And... <laughs> He needs to move on from his, like, frat bro shtick. It was fine. It was sort of fun when he was in his mid-20s. Now that he's in his entering his mid-30s, I don't actually remember how old he is. It's tired. It's bad. He needs to grow up. And I've seen no evidence that he's done that. He, I mean, there's a reason I was rooting for him to get booted from McLaren the entire time he was there. He just, like, I, it's going to be really funny. Either it's gonna be really funny when he sucks because the Alphatari is a terrible car and he's not actually a very good driver anymore, or it's gonna be really funny when I pretend I never said any of this. <laughs> well, I mean, this is one of the interesting things is that the Alphatari is the worst car on the grid now. Uh, I, I don't know. It might not. It's. I don't think it's definitively the worst car on the grid. I think it is definitively the worst car driver pairings on the crit, but I don't think it's really hard to compare. True. True. But I I think that it's very clear that it is the worst car on the grid. Um, you know, at this point the True, others have had Elena, but you're that, wrong. Exactly. <laughs> uh true but false. <laughs> That sounds um, like a good title for a segment. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, and so now he is going to be thrown into that. And frankly, having been Dan Dorned, I think this might actually be more humiliating an event for him, given that he he went from being the backup driver at the big team to returning to the junior team where they turn through 17 year olds on Uh, a twice yearly basis i really want to see yuki dumpster him (laughs) i'm sorry this is turning into the danny rick hate hour and i did not mean for that to happen but i think it's hilarious that he like said very publicly last year that he didn't want to go to a second tier team like he wasn't interested in a haas seat and because like I, he definitely could have gotten that hot seat uh but you know now he's gonna be in AlphaTauri and good for him <laughs> what was interesting is the reporting i saw was that uh he was told very clearly uh that he had expressed that he wanted to continue you know taking the year off um you know recovering uh getting his edge back being the backup in case Max or Checo got out and he got to make his return in the fastest car in a generation. 
And Helmut Marco is so not a Daniel Ricardo believer that he went for Nick DeVries instead. And Christian Horner was anti-DeVries. Bam! And so Helmut uh, Hel- said, okay, now we can pull the plug. But he told Danny, this is it. Same deal we gave Nick. You have half a season, get in and prove that you mean anything to me. I It, it pains me. It pains me deeply to have to agree with Helmut Marco about something. Dr. Helmut Marco. But I'm with him on this. I mean, get in the car and put your money where your mouth is or, you know, you're driving or whatever mixed metaphors we're working with today. Leave it on the track. Show us what you can do. And like, I do not believe that we will be impressed, but we'll see. Indeed. And to close the segment, I just want to uh, release my pet peeve, which is the reporting that Daniel Ricardo in the Pirelli tire test at Silverstone <gasps> uh, put in a time that would have been on pole ahead of all of the others on the grid when, you know, Maybe he did, like, a banker lap, you know, to set a comparison on one of the current tires. But this was a Pirelli tire test. A, you don't know what tires he's on because they take those helpful little stickers off and don't tell the teams what they are because it's generating data for Pirelli, not for you. And B, it is by definition most likely a tire that is not the same one that they drove on on Sunday. <laughs> so this, this, really... is a, this is a grid that is separated by a second. One to 20 in quality times. So to put him on a different tire and say, oh, that would have put you on pole is among the least sensical things to come out of Christian Horner's mouth. I mean, what this is, is this what you get every spring training in baseball where every every guy comes out and goes, oh, I'm in the best shape of my life. And it's like, you can see he's clearly been having a, a couple beers every night during the offseason, but he's in the best shape of his life. He's ready to go. It's the exact same thing. Hyping it up. Mm-hmm. All right. Rant over. Let's, let's come back to this side of the ocean, to the Toronto Grand Prix, as you mentioned, which uh, we had a crazy quality... Apparently, I missed it, but it really shook up the field. Um, But Christian Lungard put it on pole. And Christian Lungard drove his way to an appointment with a razor. I'm so pleased for him. That was not a good look. So, you know, good on him for, you know, getting a win. But good on him for earning the right to shave. Yes. The the man had uh, grown a mustache and said he would not shave it until he won a race this season. And given that RLL has been one of the worst teams on the grid this year, that was looking very bad for all involved. And then he came out and he just did it. So congrats to him. Congrats to the R, the L, and the L, and their whole organization. Now, also on that podium was Colton Herta for the first time. And so... You know, as the Andretti fan on this podcast, I am hopeful that what we're seeing is, you know, he is 
he now has a strategist he works well with and is getting into form and can like get himself back into a confidence building position by the end of the year because this this season's gone for him it's a throwaway season but if he can be competing for and like winning if he can win a race or two by the end of the season that would put him where i think he should be i mean realistically this season is gone for everyone i mean he hasn't gotten it sewn up but alex polo kind of hasn't sewn up yeah and i mean you know as deeps uh distrusters of the snake of the motorsport world and overall not fans man he's really good at racing cars i tried i tried to be contrarian and turned myself into an alex Pillow fan and it did not work but i feel much more charitably towards him than i did before and i don't know if that's because i'm like oh he's really good or if it's because i like was reading about his love of alpacas you know, could be either, but I, he's grown on me. Oh dear. Oh dear. Stay tuned, loyal listeners. This will be a storyline to follow. It's okay. He's probably going to do something insufferable next race, like winning, and I will no longer like him. Well, we will see because that is another, you know, that is the oval that Joseph owns. Uh, we, we are going to Iowa for the double header this weekend, and oh. I have a I have a hope, a hope for this season. Uh, given that I've already sort of written it off as a Polo victory season, my my hope is that Joseph Newgarden sweeps the ovals. Knock on wood. Oh, but that, that is a is possibility. So that if it happens. Great. If it doesn't happen, it was never going to happen. I didn't jinx it. Did you happen to see the uh, the Joseph and Simon video for the Iowa race from years ago that was posted in a certain group chat? I saw that a video was posted. I have not had time to watch it. I've been very busy today. In that case... Well, she's dead, Joseph. For listeners, this is when Joseph Newgarden and Simon Paginot were teammates at Penske, and it is showing them with a truck breaking down and entering a field of corn, a la the horror movie Children of the Corn. This is reminding me of the Field of Dreams game they did for Major League Baseball. I kept thinking one of them was going to lost in the court of the outfield. Joseph just got lost in the court. So. Oh, wait, no, Simon's lost now. <laughs> this is some weird shit. <laughs> (laughs) 
that is why IndyCar is great. We get things like that. Listeners, I will try and put that in the show notes. If I don't, you you can yell at me at uh, redwhiteandvroom at gmail.com. And we'll email it to you. Sure, we will. I, I'll set up as an auto-response to any email we get that's what response. <laughs> um, so, now, speaking of Mr. Pagano, uh, he had the horrific crash at Mid-Ohio a few races ago, and is apparently still a little concussed. Just a tiny bit. A little concussed to the extent that IndyCar, which cleared Joseph after he passed out you know, walking to his own bus has said that he's still not ready. So well, thoughts and okay. prayers to Simon and his brain that he may, you know, recover and be a good father to his children for decades to come. Yeah. Do hope he recovers. Also, I suspect IndyCar, if he were in title contention, might have a different ruling. I am sure it is entirely a medical decision, Elena. I am not. Entirely I mean, I, objective of sporting considerations. I I think you're being sarcastic, but <laughs> um, I'm not good at reading tone. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. what I think that there's uh, an aspect of it, like how hard the driver is pushing for it. And I think that Simon would push harder for it if he were in title contention. But he's sort of willing to accept it. He uh, because he's not. It doesn't really matter. He's getting paid either way. Uh, I, again, I am sure that the doctors are entirely independent and serving only the long term health of the brains of their competitors. Uh, now, Simon being out means that he was replaced uh, again, not by Connor Daly at Toronto, but by Tom Blomquist, a sports cars uh star who has been significantly linked to the Meyer shank program to drive for them in indycar next year and they brought connor daly along to help you know help tom get his feet in indycar for his first race and so that was uh good to see tom started his inaugural indycar race and was out of it within three quarters. He really screwed my fantasy team. <laughs> Just want to put oh, that you out did there. not pick. You did not pick him for fantasy. He was my value pick. You need someone who costs nothing. Also, did you know that for the race next week, guess how much Joseph Newgarden costs to put on your fantasy team? How much? $42. <laughs> Alex, the, the season high before this was $33 for Alex Pillow, and I don't remember what race that was at. So I don't know how I'm going to make this work because he obviously needs to be on the team. Right, yeah. So th- there's no number at which you can put it at which you don't pick Joseph. This is going to be a tough one. Indeed. Um, but uh, the announcement has come that Tom Blomquist, obviously, having had uh, less than a third of a lap of IndyCar racing under his belt, and zero time on an oval ever in his life, will not be debuting that at the short track at Iowa. And so, Connor Daly, who has historically been rather good at ovals and Iowa in particular, 
will be driving that car again. And so we are rooting for you, Connor, to really have a chance to make an impression and get back in the sport in whatever uh, position we can have you. Um, and to wrap up Toronto, uh, Alexander Rossi's day was ruined in every possible way for the weekend. His Instagram post was, I think, bleak. Yeah. Out. Um, and th- But the most interesting thing was at the end of the day, the Penske organization, which has not only uh, coined, but lived into the mantra of being Penske perfect, apparently messed up its fuel calculations so severely that Will Power, racing for the podium at the end, was forced to emergency pit at the very end of the race and lose more than a dozen places. Elena, how does that happen? You know, someone made a big oopsie. Uh, I mean, it could be, like... If it were one car, I'd be wondering, were they not able to get the amount of fuel into the car that they thought was their flow rate, not what it should have been for the amount of time they were fueling, etc. But across multiple cars, Soa made a big whoops. <laughs> that is, by the way, the technical term for that. A big yeah, whoops. Yeah. But pu- purely technical language on red, white, and vroom at all times. Mm-hmm. What? Well, uh, we have another uh, weekend ahead of us of great racing. We have a doubleheader of uh, at Iowa of IndyCar, and we have the Hungarian Grand Prix, where cars are known to go bowling, and sometimes the race is restarted with only a single car at the start finish. <laughs> So this should be a good weekend, race fans. Make sure to tune in. And tune in next week to Red, White, and Vroom as we enter our hallowed, time-honored, ancient outro, the random favored motorsport fact or anecdote. Elena, what do you have for us this week? So as we are approaching silly season, and with Danny Rick making a comeback to what some view as a new team uh, to him, be saying Toro Rosso and Alfatari are not the same because they're different names. Those people are wrong. But in light of that, I was wondering, who is the person who has driven for the most different F1 teams? And the answer is Chris Eamon. Eamon? Chris Eamon, I think. A-M-O-N, you can look him up. Who drove for 13 different constructors across 14 seasons. He was widely regarded as one of the greatest talents in F1 with the worst luck. Mario Andretti once joked that if Chris became an undertaker, people would stop dying. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. Thank you, Mario. So, Danny Rick, this might be, you know, team number four or five, depending how you count, but you are nowhere near that record. So keep trying. Uh, uh, Elena continues to give milestones for the drivers to aim towards. Um, and my favorite uh, random motorsport fact or anecdote is honestly probably going to be that Audi uh, 
deciding to commit the hundreds of millions to billions of dollars of entering Formula One and taking Peter Salber's small Swiss outfit up to the big time has apparently announced that the cost of running a customer racing series a la the two million a pop uh, Ferrari challenge that we discussed on a recent episode is too great a burden for them to bear. And thus they are discontinuing it. And this bodes very well, of course, for Audi's financial acuity as they enter a cost cap era. Thank you again for joining us. This has been Red, White, and Vroom.